Well, we're going to be looking a little bit at names, so that's a nice little link. I wonder if you have ever had a nickname when you were growing up. I presume you would have. Um, it often happens in primary schools or different places where you might have been around. But I had the nickname Cannonball because I had a shaved head at, uh, at the time, so I was called Cannonball. Uh, and then when I didn't have a shaved head, I was then called Quiff Boy because I've got two, two of these kind of funny little flick things. Don't worry about zooming in on the camera, but it's, it's complicated. It's a hairdresser's nightmare. Anyway, I had a funny quiff at the front, so then I was quiff boy. Later on, um, I'm pleased to say I was then referred to as God boy, because I was a little bit um, Bible bashing. That's where I found my identity. It probably wasn't entirely helpful. Um, <laughs> but it's funny the, um, it's funny the names that we, that we are given, nicknames, different nicknames. Generally, nicknames are around kind of attributes or actions. And sometimes they stick and can really influence. And we're just going to look at nicknames a little bit, because I think they can be names that nick. I, can, I think they can be names that steal. There can be words over your life that steal and rob what God wants to do. Uh, and I want us to look at, um, look at that and figure out if there are some names that we need to have replaced. Um, this is a one-off series. I've got this u- unique opportunity to speak about whatever I want to speak about today. Because <laughs> we've finished Easter. Andrew Blythe is not yet here. And uh, we just... So, welcome to a unique sermon series. I, I, <laughs> I feel quite good about it. Um, great. So, let's look at Jesus. Handyman or holy man? We're going we're gonna to look a little bit at Mark 6 and some of the nicknames Jesus was given that nicked from him. Um, so you might want to turn in your Bibles to, to Mark 6. Just while we're doing that, I, I, I just think it's always worth just reminding you that there's so many rich books that will help you get into this, the richest of books. Um, this is Tom Wright's Mark for Everyone. It's great to be reading the Bible with a commentary. Uh, Tom Wright does some amazing ones for everyone. Uh, this one I picked up really cheap in Tim Grew's office. Um, it's, <coughs> it's, and there's loads more like it in the same place. So, um, otherwise, they can be a bit expensive. <laughs> Let's read the Bible before I get in trouble. Mark 6. Thank you, Jonathan. Jesus left there. I'm just going to pause. We didn't get very far, did we? But Jesus left there. I want to tell you where there is that he's just left because it's really important to what we're about to read. Jesus left there. If you've got your Bibles open, you'll see. If you're just reading from the screen, then you won't. But the where that Jesus just left is a little girl's bedroom. She was 12 years old and she died. And her parents were devastated, as you can imagine. But Jesus has left with that little girl sat up, giving them, giving them instructions to feed her because she's well again, she's alive again. So Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Jesus was speaking to them, and they were amazed at what he was saying. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. 
I'd take that. He was, uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I wonder if you're amazing God today. I wonder if God is amazed by you. And I wonder if it's because of your faith or your lack of faith. In the Bible, Jesus was amazed by some people, the Syrophoenician woman, some incredible people of faith. Faith of the centurion amazed Jesus. But in this instance, he's amazed because of how little they expect of him. So then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. I wonder if you've ever been the unaddressed expert in the room. I don't know whether it's in your workplaces or in your family life where you know you could be really helpful but you're just not being asked. I find it the most excruciating thing to be in a car journey and someone's driving and someone thinks they know where they're going and I know a much better way. And I'm like, surely, I just assumed you would have gone left there. Why have you turned right? Or sometimes I do it with a sat-nav when it's taking me a particular route but it doesn't have the clever knowledge I do about the different way to go around to avoid half an hour of traffic. Sitting in half an hour of traffic when you don't need to is frustrating. And I reckon Jesus was pretty frustrated as he looked around this place, this town, this place that he grew up, a whole bunch of people he knows and loves, he's grown up with, he's seen. And they're like, They're not asking, they're not expecting of him. He's got so much to give. He's got so much to give. And they're not asking. I want to just say that flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. It's something Jesus says later in in, in a conversation in John to Nicodemus. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. If you only know the people around you because of their nicknames, their funny haircuts, or particular actions that you're used to them doing, maybe it's your spouse who does funny things and you're very aware of their inabilities or lacks. If you've got nicknames for the people around you, it might be that flesh is only going to give birth to to flesh. And we as a, a people of God want to see the spirit give life to things. We want to see resurrection happening. But if we're just clouded by nicknames, if we're just clouded by names and attributes, um, then we're going to miss out on some of the things that God wants to do. What's interesting about this, this passage is that Jesus has come from Nazareth. That's where he's walking around. That's his hometown. And, and you'll know again from John 1. And we'll just look at the, the verse will be on the screen hopefully. Thanks, Jonathan. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Nazareth was not known as a place where good stuff would be coming from. What I find sad about that is they've got the Messiah in their midst, but they're like, this is Nazareth. He's from Nazareth. He's from around here. Nothing good. They're slagging themselves off in many ways. They're deriving themselves by saying, we're from Nazareth. Nothing good's going to come from here. They can't see the hope, the potential, the miraculous because they, they know their area, they know what they used to. I wonder what you say about Cheltenham or the place that you're from. I wonder what you say about different places. I wonder what you say about politicians. I wonder what words that you would speak about different areas of importance. Can anything good come from your family, your parents? Can anything good come from there? And in, the, in this instance, yes, very much so. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I want to ask you, do you want God to fix your dresser or your daughter? So the, the, the carpenter in, in those days, it, it, 
it's just kind of a word for a handyman. It would have been used for all sorts of things. This is a broken chair. Someone's nicely put, but still loved by God on it. Um, <clears throat> it's a broken chair. If anyone sits on it, it will just get more broken, so, um, which is why it's been designated as broken. Um, but we, we're so used to bringing our, our problems to Jesus to fix. Oh, I've got, this, I've got this problem. I just want you to fix it. In Nazareth, they, they knew he was a fixer of problems. And they're like, but the problems were on this level. They were like, oh, could you sort my chair? You can sort my chair. I don't want you to pray for my daughter. He's just come from raising the dead. And now they want a carpenter. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm excited. I'm excited. Why? They get offended. They get offended by God. And just as a little aside, I just want to suggest that we can get offended because God's trying to do something. We can get offended because God's trying to do something. When the message demands more of me, I'd rather demand more of the messenger. When the message demands more of me, I'd rather demand more of the messenger. If we have a challenging word come to us, I'd rather say, well, it came to me by that stupid kid who's got fluffy hair and we don't like very much, or it came from that place, Nazareth. There would have been a bunch of people in Nazareth who were really cut to the core by what Jesus said and spoke of in terms of the kingdom and loving the lost and, and looking out for the, the poor and the needy. And that would have challenged some people and it would have cost some people. So why don't we just discount the messenger so I don't have to receive the message? And I would really encourage you to be careful about that. So we need to know who we are. Jesus needed to know it and we do. And we need to be able to move on when we're not received. We need to be, be able to move on. Why? Because otherwise we might miss our mission. If you're around a bunch of people who only see you as a certain thing, have boxed you in and have written the full stop at the end of your name and aren't expecting much more, um, I suggest get some people around you. Let's just have a little honesty moment now. I wonder what you think of me. I've nearly been here two years now. Was it worth it? <laughs> Was it worth it? Let's just look back at uh, the, the story of my life over the last two years. Two years ago, I came along as this brand new kid to Trinity, and I had a fresh start, so I could, I could be whoever I wanted. But now, two years on, you might know a bit more. And this is, this is where it's different for us. It's a little bit different because we mess up. Jesus didn't. We get stuff wrong. Jesus didn't. So flesh gives birth to flesh. You might see stuff in me. You might see stuff that I do or stuff that I don't do. Last time I preached, I referred to Peter when I should have referred to Paul. And Karis hasn't let me go about it. And please. <laughs> I make mistakes. And they're often bigger than that and more important than that. And you might have seen it. I might have treated you badly. I might not even know it. There might be people around you in this church who've done stuff, missed stuff, missed opportunities, taken opportunities they shouldn't. And so we get to know each other. We get to know each other, but in the wrong way. And I want to suggest to you that the spirit gives life to the spirit, but the flesh gives life to the flesh. It gives birth to it. And I want to challenge you, if you know too much about the people around you and not enough of the God stuff, uh, then it can be dangerous. I want to show you a picture of who I really am. The best picture you'll ever see of me 
these are a whole bunch of prophetic words that, um, that God has spoken over me, that, that I've compiled over many years, just some significant stuff about me. This is on my desk. This is something that I like to give to people who are close to me or I'm going to be working with because I want them to be aware of not just the David who turns up tired on a Monday morning. I want them to be aware of the David that God spoke of before the beginning of time. Isaiah is spelt wrong, by the way. Don't worry. Um, I am aware. <laughs> um, so some of these things, some of these things you might read and recognize and go, oh yeah, that's quite David, yeah, he's good at that, yeah. Um, some of the things you might go, yeah, you wish, David, you were never going to be that. We've seen you. It's because you see my flesh and I'm still working on that. But we need, to, we need to make sure that you know the people around you. But know them by the spirit, not just by the flesh. Don't just have a nickname for the people around you. Have God's words for the people around you. If you're a manager, either of kids in your own home, of, of people in a company that you run, or, or of surgeries, people that come, you know, 30 people coming into your office in a day, have you got the spirit's perspective? Do you know the people who you're working with? Do you know their annoying things, the things that they don't do, the things that they fail to do at the washing up area or whatever it is? Or do you know the God word over them? This is particularly important if, you've, if there's areas of conflict. Because the enemy's trying to undermine something that could be used to bring life. The spirit wants to bring more of the spirit, but the flesh is getting in the way. And we need to make sure that we're careful about that. It's really helpful having a two-year-old for this sermon. Um, because Ben, one of the words spoken over Ben, my, my uh, second child, um, he is a man of peace. We nearly called him Solomon because that's one of the... That's one of the meanings of the name Solomon, man of peace. That was prophesied over him before he was born. We're already gauging some of the things that God's spoken over our baby during June. Because we know that it's important to know what the Spirit's saying about them. So, so Ben is a man of peace. Come to our house and you would not believe me. <laughs> you would not believe me. And there are times when I'm like, when Karis and I find ourselves saying something about Ben because of his actions that we have to check ourselves on. He is so dramatic. He's so dramatic. He's so moody. Like, he goes from naught to 60. He, he had an argument with the front door this morning. It's just, it's just not worth it, Ben. And then he just throws himself down and goes, it's not fair. That's his new favorite phrase. It's, it's cute, but it's ridiculous. He, at the moment, there's not a whole lot of man of peace about him because he's going through a particular stage, but we could start to pin stuff on him that God's not wanting us to pin on him. And what happens then is we have a different expectation around him. We stop expecting the life of the spirit from him, and we start to make conclusions about him that heaven's not concluding. And we need to be so careful, because God wants to bring life through the spirit that's in you. He wants to be bringing life to the people around you. And the danger is that flesh gives birth to the flesh. I want to look at this um, quickly in, uh, in, in Peter's life. I don't know if you know much about Peter from the Bible, but he was, he was one of the disciples, uh, and he was perhaps uh, one of the more volatile of disciples. He was, he was right in there all the time with, with uh, saying clumsy things or doing clumsy things, wanting to build shelters on mountaintops. He, he was just so enthusiastic, but I would suggest pretty reactive so we're going to look at Peter, and I'm going to ask the question, reactive or reliable? Is he reactive or reliable? He denies Christ three times. Flaky as anything. 
I mean, under extreme circumstances, but we could draw all sorts of conclusions if we look at his life. What's the first thing Jesus says to him? We're going to look at this verse. Thanks, Jonathan. And Andrew brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Peter means rock. Peter means rock. Later on, Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. You're going to be significant. You're going to be a significant foundation that brings stability to the church when it first all kicks off and the Romans are trying to kill people and it's all over the place. You are the rock. He says that. It's the first thing. And then we get the gospel. We we get the accounts of of Peter's life and he's so not rock-like. He's so not stable. We need to have God's name. We need to have these words over us while we're going through our craziness. If you've got a teenager in your home, you need to know, you need to know what Jesus has spoken over them. If you've got conflict in your marriage, what has God spoken to you about your spouse? What are the key features of how God's designed them? Because we were formed together. God has a design for you. He's designed you. He's made you. And it was perfect. But now we live in a fallen world and we're influenced by that. We get caught up by all sorts of flesh that gives birth to flesh in us, the mess of life. And so the treasure in us gets hidden and compacted. For some of us in here, maybe that's not as clear. For some people, it's, it's clearer. We need to know the words. This is particularly pertinent when it comes to some of the work we do through King's Table because there's people around, around us who have had loads of words spoken over them that aren't healthy. And their character and their attributes and the nicknames that we could as a team throw around would be so unhelpful but we want to know what's God said about them what is the richness there because it's clouded by a whole sort of stuff and I I want to suggest to you that God's not about garbage removal he's about speaking to the treasure he doesn't want to rip apart all the bad things about you and see if there's anything good underneath the bottom he speaks to the treasure right at the bottom and that begins to rise up and rise up and suddenly the mess that got in the way isn't as as important I'm way off script here people come on someone just tell me (laughs) Right, Ben's screaming, yeah, we've done that, brokenness, great. <laughs> Fun. Peter's so reactive and impulsive. Jesus says, you're the rock on which I'm going to build my church. What does God say about you? And how's that going to help the Spirit give birth to the Spirit? I'm going to read Ephesians 4. Didn't I? Why don't you turn to Ephesians 4 verse 22 just while we finish. It's not going to be on the screen, sorry. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Speak truthfully. Now, you might think speaking truthfully means say, say what you see. Say what you see, just call it out. I think there's unrealized truth in all of us in this room. I want to encourage you that speaking truth means speaking what you don't see. 
because it's a truth unrealized. It's a truth unrealized. We need to be speaking, not just what we see, but what we don't see. Speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold, a landing strip. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Church, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I start to pause to check whether I'm going to refer to Peter or Paul now, but Paul here is, is speaking into a church that is doing the flesh gives birth to flesh stuff. Flesh gives birth to flesh, grieving the Holy Spirit. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, unforgiveness. If there's people you would look around this room and think, I don't want to build the kingdom with you. There's something wrong there. There's flesh in the way. And you might need to do some forgiving. You might have some history that needs working on. We're stepping in to a new season as a church. This Wednesday marks the start of a a significant shift. How much of the old stuff are you bringing with you? Or are you going to be a new are you going to be able to perceive the new stuff that God's doing? Or are you bringing all your flesh? I really don't want your flesh, church. I really don't. I don't want it. God doesn't want it. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Stop it. Let's move on. Okay, so let's get some forgiveness going on. Let's get some healing as a church. And let's let the Spirit give life to the Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying about the person you are most annoyed with in this church? That would be a really great question for you to ask. For me to ask. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Because you might find that you end up being part of the Spirit, giving life to the Spirit. And that is just amazing. It's just amazing. We can do it in this room. We can do it in our families. We can do it in our businesses. We did some of the stuff over in Tacoma, Washington, when we just rock up into a, um, some business leaders. They ran a trucking um, business. They employed had probably 50 or so drivers and they had a problem so they called the church leaders in and we, and we spent time listening to some of these key workers that were, that were causing problems and going, God, what did they look like to you? What did they look like in heaven? What's heaven's perspective of these people? Because it's infecting this business. It's affecting it and we want to be able to speak not just to the behavior surface level stuff. We want to be able to speak life to these people rather than just deal with rubbish and garbage removal getting carried away let's focus all right are people with me are we getting somewhere I think I've probably said enough but I'll just say some more (laughs) I got distracted I wonder if you might have a word that the spirit's saying about Nikki Blythe or Andrew Blythe or their daughters I wonder if you or you could just watch their flesh for the next year See how they behave, see whether they welcome you or say hello in a right way. See whether they preach about the things you want them to preach about. What's God saying about them? Can we create a place that's not going to be a Nazareth for them? Can we create a place where where we're going to be able to see stuff and go, wow, that's amazing. And not just now, but in five years' time when we've seen loads of flesh, when Andrew's made mistakes, when Nikki's made mistakes. 
Come on, shut up, David. You're boring yourself. I'm just getting excited. But we do, we do need to pray. We do need to pray. I think it's so important that we don't just have nicknames for each other, but we have the, the God words. So, if you don't yet know the answer that Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? That would be the first place to go to. If you're not yet able to say you're the savior, you're the Messiah, you're my rescuer, then let me encourage you in that direction. But secondly, if you don't know who you are, perhaps you've done all sorts of character profiling, you know you're an ENFP, an ASAP, or whatever it is, (laughs) DVD. (laughs) You know all that stuff, but you haven't got some words over your life that, you, that you're declaring or some words over your wife or husband's life or kid's life or boss's life. Can I encourage you to ask God to come and bring some definition? Because otherwise we're going to end up with dresses sorted, not daughters sorted. And if there's a relationship, thirdly, if there's a relationship of tension in your life, stress, strain, conflict, Can I encourage you to pray and gather others to pray for that person and ask God to show you what heaven's version of them looks like. What is heaven's version of them? I'm seeing a lot of flesh here and it's ugly. I want to see spirit. What is the spirit in these people? Should we stand? If you're able to. Thank you. I'd love for us to be quite quick um, about this. What I would love is for as many people as possible to to be down at the front just hearing some prophetic words. Weigh them, test them. We hear in part, we, we see in part. But just hearing some stuff, it would be great for you if you know that you've got words over your life that are just flesh words and they're holding you back and they're holding you down and they're not bringing life to you. I would love for you to come forward and just have someone pray. A love for us as a family to be praying for each other um, and just hearing God asking the Holy Spirit to breathe life to the Spirit. So if you know that you need to be defined like Peter needed to, to, be, to be defined as a rock, even though he was all over the place, I would love for you to come forward. If you know that you need to that you need to be renewed in your vision for the people around you you're living in some painful tensions I'm not making light of that you're living in some painful tensions even in your very home or in the very place that you work day in day out I would love for you to come forward and just ask God to speak some spirit life I'm going to pray for some people particularly encourage you if you are if you have a history with mental illness where there is words that you know play in your mind again and again and you need some spirit words to come. I'd love for you to come forward. If we could have people just to come and pray, but I think there's a lot more of you who, who, who want to come. I want to be prayers, if you can just be praying quickly around people, particularly if it's just a prophetic word. If you want to turn to the person 
next to you and just, just ask them to pray and say, Will you, would you speak a God word over me? Would you speak the Spirit? Jesus, come. If you've got pain from the words that have been spoken over you, that there's some deep, deep pain where the enemy has robbed from, from you. I would love for you to come and get, and get prayer. If you're a member of the family here and I've got a moment to come and pray, we've got another 10 minutes before kids need picking up. Can you just definitely need some more prayers down here. If you're up on the balconies, up at the top, it's a long walk, but it's a, it's worth it. There's nothing special about here, but it's space, and it's it's an indication that you're wanting new words.